0: One more time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So my name is Isaiah Marshall, and I have the privilege and the honor of serving middle school and high school students here at Strong Tower as the director of student ministry. Um, And I also have the the honor of sharing with you this morning on the topic, Remember Grace. And so before we begin, let us go um, to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We honor you. God, you are good. You are a good, good Father. Father God, I pray that you um, be in the midst, Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to to us, Lord. Um, And I pray that we experience you this this morning and this day, Lord. Pray that you speak to me and speak through me, Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the other night, after my bride and I put our babies to bed, I guess the the realization of a milestone came upon Rahab's heart when she made the comment, baby, we are going on 10 years of marriage this year. Praise God. Amen. Amen. By God's grace. Now, this took us back down memory lane as we began to collectively remember our past. We thought about the first time we met at Tennessee State University. We had a little differences on on our stories, but I'll share you how I remember it. (laughs) So, one afternoon before track and field practice, I was running around the track and all of a sudden this beautiful woman chased me down and asked me for my number. (laughs) Amen. You remember it that way? Okay, okay. She might have a little different story. Now I'm kidding. I'm kidding, though. But we talked about how it took me a while to, to gain the courage to talk to her. We talked about how eventually my advances worked out. The game was strong. We thought about living in that one-bedroom apartment in South Nashville, making very little money on one income. But we never missed a meal, maybe a couple bills, but God's (laughs) grace is sufficient. But one thing that we did have is we had a love that can move mountains. We don't have a lot now, but thanks be to God that we are not where we once were. Looking back at our past made us much more thankful for our present and gives us hope for the future. We remembered grace. Because it is only by God's grace that we are here and we made it to 10 years. Amen. Now, her comment not only brought about a collective remembrance, but also an individual remembrance. I remember early on being nervous about being married. Questioning questioning if I would be a good husband or even one day a good father. I thought about how different our upbringings are. And the baggage I was bringing into this marriage, which led me to be amazed by the handiwork of the Lord. How he took two totally different people from this different parts of the world and allowed our lives to intersect here at Nashville, Tennessee. Only by the grace of God. But the beauty is that by God's grace, I, although I have my shortcomings, I made a commitment that I would not allow my luggage to divine our travels. I remember grace. Because it is only by God's grace that I am here now. And I've become the man that I am now. And looking back at my past made me so much more thankful for my present and gives me hope for the future. Memory of the past, whether corporate or individual, Can have a powerful influence, not only in how we engage the present, but also how we face the future. Remembering can provide us with deep encouragement about where we where we are and have been and a very real acknowledgement of the mighty hand of God in our lives, because we realize that it is him who redeems us. Redemption. Redemption is deliverance by payment of a price. In the Old Testament, redemption was applied to property, animals, persons, and the nation of Israel as a whole. In nearly every instance, freedom from obligation, bondage, or danger was secured by the payment of a price to obtain freedom, favor, or reconciliation. The New Testament emphasizes the great cost of redemption being the precious blood of Jesus. And the result of of redemption being the freedom from sin and the freedom to serve God through Jesus Christ. It is evident that Redeemer exhibits God's holy character, amongst other things. God is faithful to remember the people who he has created and promised to redeem. He remembers us. God remembers Noah in the flood. He remembers Abraham and saves Lot. And he remembers Rachel and gives her a child. The act of redemption is in the Old Testament. The Exodus is predicated on God's remembering his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have a creator that remembers us. However, we have a tendency to forget him. Though he remembers us, we have the tendency to forget the times when he has met our needs, provided strength when we were weak. Provided healing when we were sick. We have a tendency to forget our Lord and Savior. But he does not forget us. He remembers us. And in many ways, we've forgotten our history. Our collective and individual past is part of God's history. It speaks to him as our redeemer. When we forget, we run the risk of not fully understanding the present and our role in it. It is no wonder why remembering is such a central theme throughout Scripture. We must remember our story because our stories are a part of God's bigger story. And God's story is a redemptive story. To remember our collective and individual stories is to acknowledge where we were at one time and to see in the present just how far we've come. But we realize that we, we haven't arrived where we are on our own efforts. But just like the nation of Israel, just like they went from bondage to promised land, God's mighty hand has brought us to where we are now and will continue to carry us into the future. We all must remember grace. God was constantly reminding Moses of his story, which helped Moses engage in the present. And out of that, God showed Moses his role in it. Let's look at the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 4 through 5, which will be on the screen here. It said, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. He said, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. God is reminding Israel that his past provisions should be the basis of their future decisions. Here we see how God is calling the Israelites to remember their Lord. God is calling the Israelites to not only remember him, but also remember what he has done in their lives. Here we see two common themes. First, remember the Lord your God. Second, remember what God has done for you. Throughout the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, we hear these words. And we'll look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. We see this at least six six times within the book of Deuteronomy. We hear these words. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember, remember what the Lord, remember the Lord your God, and remember what he has done in our lives. This theme of remembering is not only found in the Old Testament, but it is also found in the New Testament. As we look back and remember God throughout history, it often causes us to look back and remember God throughout our individual lives. I can remember an an event in my life that God really used as a defining moment for me. It was my junior year in high school. And on this particular day, my high school had a track meet. And a friend and I, we just got off the city bus, and we walked towards the school to uh, participate in this track meet. And as we walked, we noticed these two guys standing on the sidewalk. And something told me to walk across the street but I didn't listen. We continued to walk, and as we approached these two guys, one of the guys pulled out a gun, held it to my chest, and said, stop. Take off your shoes, empty your pockets, and take everything out of your book bag. So we listened. We stopped. We took off our shoes, emptied our pockets, and took everything out of our book bags. In that moment, it was as if I was staring at my future self, I was staring at a lost and broken person, a person who probably, like me, had an empty void in their life and tried to fill that void through worldly activity. I was staring at individuals who, like me, at the time, were dead in sins. We, in many ways, were like the Israelites, wandering aimlessly with a rebellious heart. But I can remember, as these guys made us walk towards the school barefoot, which is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. One of the guys, the, the, the significant thing about this event is not necessarily what they did, but it's what they said. One of the guys said, don't take this personal. we just trying to feed our kids. I mean, how broken one must become to take something that don't belong to them by force in an attempt to, quote unquote, feed their kids. But again, in many ways, I was just as broken and simple as they were. Now, I don't know how far this got them, but they left with two pairs of shoes, 50 cent, and two bus passes. (laughs) They thought they was coming up. We was high school students, though. But this was a defining moment in my life. It was a moment where I realized that I had a choice. Either I could be a part of the problem or part of the solution, but it is by God's grace that I chose to be a part of the solution. Remember grace. Through this experience, God showed me my sinfulness. God has a way of showing us our sinfulness and also our need for him. I conformed to the patterns of this world. When I was in the world, I did what I saw. But when the Lord captured my heart, I began to see what I did. And when I fell short, I was able to repent, turn away from my sin, and turn towards Him. And He is faithful to forgive. His grace is sufficient. By God's grace, I was once blind, but now I see. Remember grace. Remember that where, where sin abounds, His grace superabounds. That's good news. Paul says it this way in his letters to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, Paul uses as his theme how God lavishes his grace on Christians through his plan to save us. Verses 1 through 4, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, all of us. We were once dead in our transgressions and sins. Paul is pointing us back to our past, reminding us that where we once were, he said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He says that all of us lived this certain way at one time. We all find our roots in Adam, just as Pastor Chris so elegantly placed, put it. He said, Adam is the sinful father of all who are born. In other words... We entered the, the world spiritually dead and in offense against God. Remember that we, are, we who are in Christ now was once this way. We were. But Paul did not stop there as he points us to the Lord in verses 5 through 8. He says, But because of his love, his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. In contrast to the hopeless state we were once in, we were dead in our transgressions and in our sins. Paul points us to what God has done for us. He says that God has made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. He did this so he could show the incomparable riches of his grace. Paul, in these verses, draws a contrast between the human condition described in verses 1 through 3 and the new life pictured in verses 4 through 6. We were dead, now we are alive. We were enslaved, now we are enthroned. We were objects of wrath, now we are objects of grace. We were walking amongst the disobedient. Now we are in fellowship with Christ. We were under Satan's dominion. Now we are in union with Christ. Remember grace. Grace, I like the way uh, C.H. Spurgeon puts it. He says, grace, whether it's work be to pardon, to cleanse, to preserve, to strengthen, to enlighten, to quicken, or to restore is ever to be had from him freely and without price, nor is there one form of grace which he has not bestowed upon his people. Listen to this. He said, as the blood of the body, though flowing from the heart, belongs equally to every member, so the influences of grace are the inheritance of every saint united to the Lamb. And herein. There is a sweet communion between Christ and his church in as much as they both receive the same grace. Oh, how sufficient God's grace is for us. It is by his amazing grace that we once were lost, but now we are found. It is by his amazing grace that we once were dead, but now we are alive. We all must remember grace. The Israelites were told to remember the Lord your God and remember what he has done, we also should do the same. To remember our Lord and what he has done for us, all of us who were once dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, were enslaved, but now we are enthroned. To remember what God has done is to remember where God has brought us from, delivered us from, saved us from, which is also to remember where we once were at one time. We learn in Israel's history how God raises up individuals to to be a redemptive force in their lives. This is also true throughout history in general. Just last month, we learned about prominent African Americans that God raised up to be a redemptive force in our American history. It is not forgetting our history that helps us engage in the present, and out of that, God shows us our role in it. Right after service, we have a fundraiser for our Bus Ride to Justice travel experience, as you all heard in the announcements. Now, during this experience, we will spend two days touring uh, significant sites of the civil rights movement throughout Alabama. Each stop will immerse students and adult leaders in intergenerational conversations rooted in the past struggles and challenging us to think about the work that remains in our society, but also challenging us to think about how we look at injustices. As we stand in the physical spaces of the past, we allow the voices and faces of history to inform and frame our actions today and for the future. Our prayer is that we can make this experience more affordable for every student so that every student can have the opportunity to join us. Now, I realize that we're stepping out on faith quite a bit because we have 22 spots reserved for students. Now, besides the kickoff back in August, we haven't had 22 students um, engage in any of the activities. But praise God, he's calling us to walk by faith and not by sight. So we have reserved 22 spots for students at $165 per student. And our ninth grade students, along with one of our superstar leaders, Ms. Danielle Hancock, has worked hard to, hope, to try to connect those who have resources to those who may need resources. This is one, on one hand an ask for you all to sow a seed, but even if you don't have to give, your prayers are very welcome. And also, we would love for you to come out and support the efforts of our students. Praise God. But this is also, on the other hand, a challenge, a challenge for us all, a challenge for us to get students connected, get students involved so that we can fill these 22 spots, a challenge for students to get on the bus. In order for students to experience what we pray they will get from this experience, we need students to get registered which would require all of the parents to encourage their students to participate and to get their students registered and encourage them to get on the bus. So when I was a teenager, I would often ride on a city bus as all of us headed to our final destinations. On roads paved with the rose gold blood of our ancestors. These streets where riots broke the silence of the oppressed due to the violence of those sworn in to serve and protect. But as I'm older now, I realize that I never knew a time when being educated was a crime, but yet it wasn't always my interest. I realized. That I never knew a time when I was forced to sit at the back of the bus, but yet that was often my preference in how simply sitting in the wrong spot could get you arrested. I, I no longer see sit to stand as just a movement to strengthen my legs, but a movement that put legs to a movement. To get off the bus so that we could get back on with no limitations. It led to desegregated buses. It started when Rosa parked her courage in the color section. Her refusal to stand was the engine that drove the vehicle of change. They couldn't break her. Her bravery was the fire that ignited the flames of justice, but there was no progress without struggle. A king without a crown never bowed to Pharaoh because their narrow mind couldn't grasp this. Young Moses is called to lead God's people to the promised land, a land that he never got to witness. A dream deterred yet never deferred, a dream that didn't lie in the grave when the dreamer did, when his life was taken away, but we are remnants of it. Their blood, their sweat, their tears is our reward. I realized how I took for granted that which was granted as a payment, how innocent blood was the cost of freedom. We have reaped what they have sown, and I've been told that to whom much is given, much is required. Outliers for freedom, out riding for freedom, these freedom riders, these fighters of freedom, they they got on the bus not knowing where the road would lead them. Not knowing if this would be their last ride, and for some of them it was, but they got on the bus and they took us with them. Now let's replicate. Let's get on the bus. And meet past struggles and present conflict with future triumph. Because we take a God whose past work while present redemption, and gives us a future hope to already not yet. Let's get on the bus to see how bombs bursting through anointed air gave proof that the flag at that time for minorities was synonymous with despair. But the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Let's get on the bus to see how four little girls who were martyred heroes, how their untimely demise was the redemptive force during dark times. Let's get on the bus to see how a drum major for peace preached love because hate was too heavy a burden to carry. And his foes carried it like a badge of honor. Let's get on the bus to see how the Jim Crow of old became the Jim Crow of new. You see, it's hard to trust the system. When most of the people locked in, it has the same skin color as you. But I digress. Let's get on the bus to see how the cross and the lynching tree have a prominent place in history. Both the public display of terror used to show others what would happen if they didn't stay in their place. There is a place for suffering. There is a place where death brings life. How mean, so violent, and cruel was used as a tool to bring beauty from ashes. Our God makes beauty from ashes Let's get on the bus and see how airmen defied gravity, soaring to new heights of history, and how Booker T denied a victim mentality and established Tuskegee University because he knew that education is one of the only things you can give and keep at the same time. And at the same time, our ancestors were detained, trying to obtain what Mr. Washington campaigned just so we could complain about how it's a waste of time, just talking about education. Let's get on the bus. As we lock arms and walk the bridge to bridge the gap between our present freedom and our ancestors' past struggle and see how a bloody Sunday made way for an unlikely black president who taught us that success always leaves footprints for others to walk in, he proved that the exception can't become the rules. How his very existence bent the rules he's called blessed, and he taught us. To not allow our circumstances to be a barrier to our success, There was power in the name. Let's get on the bus to see how the God of yesterday is the same God today and forevermore. The God who split the Red Sea is the same God who saves you and me. The God who lost his one and only son through his death redeems all things to himself. Let's get on the bus to see God's redemptive hands throughout history as he challenges us to be his hands and feet to do justice love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We get on the bus to remember. Just as Moses reminded the Israelites to remember the Lord and what he has done, how he took them from slavery to freedom, just as Paul reminds us to remember the Lord and what he has done, how he took us from enslaved to enthroned. We are going on this bus ride to justice to remember the Lord and what he has done throughout our collective history and also our individual lives get on this bus to remember. To remember is to recognize where we once were at one point of time so that we could be more thankful for where we are now. We get on a bus to remember, to remember God's grace, It's amazing grace, the grace that saved the wrench, like you and me. We get on a bus to remember how we once were blind, but now we see, how we once were dead, lost in our trespasses, but now we are found. Oh, by the grace of God, His grace is sufficient. We get on the bus to remember God's redemptive hands throughout history. So my prayer is that we can fill these twenty-two spots as we go to look back, so that we can look forward to God and what He has for us. Amen. 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 Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brother Isaiah, for giving us the word and making it relevant to where we are today. And I'm thankful that you're helping Dorina and I to raise our daughter in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm thankful for you and all of your uh, volunteers who assist you, your adult volunteers. Um, the mission of this church is to make disciples. That's the goal of all ages, from our children to our students to our adults. And I'm so thankful. Speaking of memory and remembering, last Saturday, the church did spring cleaning. And I came in and I did some spring cleaning in my office. And I looked through a whole bunch of documents and papers and one of those documents spoke of the money we needed to raise in order to have the position of student minister. And we were able to raise. We had a goal, if you remember, Grace, of 30000 because we were at a place where we needed a leader for our students. The church was growing, and we were now ready to add that position. I had a donor come to me and say, I'll give a matching gift of 30,000. you guys remember that? And I pulled that document out, and I remembered how the Lord not only raised the 30, but he raised more, so that we could bring you onto the team. And uh, you have been doing a phenomenal job. And man, just so proud of you. so proud of you. And Rahab, amen, I want to hear Rahab's version of the story. Uh, for how y'all met and that you're teaching our children not only about Jesus but you're teaching them about history one I guess encouragement about the millennial generation is that they don't deal with segregation baggage the way many of us did growing up they're more prone to come together across racial lines but one knock against the millennial generation is that they come together, but they don't understand the history that leads to a need for us to come together because we want separated. And what you're doing with this tour is that you're allowing them, as you mentioned, to stand in those places and those spaces at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You're going to go to 16th Street Baptist Church where the four little girls died. You're going to take them to these places, and you're going to show them how young people also brought about change in our country and how we still depend on them now to bring change to our country. So we need, we got 22 spots. We're also working with another church. Is it Ethos? Ethos Church. So two buses, two churches. Was it one bus? One bus, two churches coming together. And uh, so, yeah, 22. We're going to get them. You're going to get the money. If you can't uh, stay, as a matter of fact, the students, uh, when we go down to the fellowship hall, they're going to, Participate, and there's gonna be some spoken word and some other things. Uh, but y'all are serving a meal too, right? So you're gonna feed folk, and you're just asking for a $10 donation. If you can't stay because you already have plans, stop by. Let them see you, okay? Let them see us excited for them and about them, and drop some cash too before you go off to where you need to go. All right, let them see you. For those of us who can stay, let's stay. Let's love on them. Many of us grew up in churches that didn't have a youth ministry. We grew up in churches where the youth were better uh, to not be seen and not be heard, just stay over to the side. But I'm so glad that's not the blueprint or the footprint at this church. Uh, we honor our students and we thank God for them. What about my niece today, y'all, uh, uh, doing the announcements today? My niece, Miss Avery. And uh, also in three weeks, we're having a Good Friday service here, which we do every year. Wow. Let me, let me go back on Wednesday of Holy Week. Our children are going to give a presentation to the church that they've been working on for weeks now. So on that Wednesday night, we're going to have a Passover Seder where we're going to go a little bit into the history, how God encouraged Israel to remember where they came from. And we're going to be reminded as Christians how our faith is connected to Judaism the whole passover and christ is our passover lamb so we're going to have a seder and then our children are going to perform uh for us they have a, a whole program and then that friday night we're going to do our annual uh seven last words of jesus and we have a cross section of people who will take the stage that night and share on one of the sayings and uh brother bob said to me hey pastor Do we have room for one of our students to be one of the speakers? I said, absolutely. So on that night, one of our students will share along with our adults. I love God. I love what he's doing in our family. Amen. So, all right, Isaiah, do you need to be dismissed early? Are you going to stay around, shake some hands? Because we're coming down there. Students can be dismissed. All right, now, I done talked about y'all. Don't let me down. All right. Go ahead now. Y'all get ready for us. Amen. Amen. All right, Strong Tower, young people. Look at it. And I want to give it up to our children who were able to sit so quietly and politely today. It's good for our children to be in, quote, unquote, adult church. It's good for them to understand etiquette. It's good for them to sit still. It's good for them to respect God. It's good for them to watch us worship to teach them how to worship. It's good for them to watch us pay attention to the Word because it teaches them. So some Sundays, as you know, you know, we drop our children off, we separate our children, they do their thing, but it's good every now and then for them to be with us in the house of God so they understand how to worship God corporately. And uh, those, those babies crying ain't nothing but amens to, to the preacher. Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's stand for prayer. Let's stand for prayer. Have some thoughts this week and some reflections about how far God has brought you. Take some time and talk with your children at the table and talk about God's delivering power. Share some stories about getting robbed. Share some stories about when you used to rob people. We do have a few of them in the house. Don't look around. <laughs> Share some stories about where you were and to look at where you are now. And it gives us hope for where we need to go. He's a God of grace. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor, I'm going to ask you. I'm calling you Pastor. I'm speaking those things that are not. Come on up here, man. And I want you, minister, future Pastor Isaiah, would you close us in prayer,
0: please? God, you are good. Your grace is sufficient. Lord God, we're thankful that you are a God who redeems. Lord God, that even when we are disobedient, your grace is sufficient. Even when we are uh, engaging in our sinful ways, your grace is sufficient. And Lord God, I pray that you convict. I pray that you instruct us. And I pray that we experience you, Lord God, as we reflect on where we were. And how you brought us to where we are now, which gives us hope for the future. And, God, I, I just praise that these, that the word does not fall on deaf ears, Lord God, but it penetrate hearts, Father. I pray that the word brings us closer to you, Lord God. Reveal yourself. And, Lord God, I pray um, as we depart from this place, but not from your presence. It's in the name that's above every name. It's in the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Lord God, I pray that the Lord be glorified, his people edified, and Satan terrified. We're thankful in Jesus' name. And may the light that is in us be the light that shines through us. It's in your matchless name we pray. Amen.